Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. I'm Bill Barnwell. Joining me today, the Athletic Shield Kapadia is here to talk about last night's bizarre Bills-Patriots game and whether Bill Belichick is a genius for running the ball 175 times. Also, we're going to get into the Eagle situation with Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts and who should be playing quarterback for them as they try to make it back to the postseason. Also, get into which teams are best positioned to improve their roster over the next couple of years with the draft capital and free agent money they have to work with around the NFL. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. You may have heard of it. It is called the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny. I don't know if you've heard of Mina Kimes before. Uh, a, a regular contributor to this show, a friend, a colleague, and an excellent analyst, and just an actual legitimate funny person as opposed to a fake internet funny person. Mina's podcast, as you probably already know, features news, trends, analysis in and around the NFL with all kinds of guests, including Dominique Foxworth, Field Yates, Mike Golick Jr., occasionally Bill Barnwell himself. If you like X's and O's, if you like analytics, or if you like too much dog talk, yes, of course, Lenny is a dog, give the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny a listen wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's Shilkapadia talking about the bizarre Bills Patriots game from Monday night. All right, joining me now, here as promised on the Bill Barnwell Show, a frequent contributor a friend, a former colleague, a, uh, I, I would say, is it inveterate better, veteran better? What, what is it for someone who's good at betting, uh, at least over the past couple of years, based on how you've performed in your column? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I'm having a little bit of a, a rough go. So like, depending on what week we talk, you could name me, you could uh, label me as that or not label me as that, but it's, uh, it's good to talk to you. I don't know if it's a Gardner Minshew, um, you know, for me to make my uh, first appearance of the 2021 season, but if that's the case, then so be it. Well, joining me, talk about Gardner Minshew, but first <laughs> to talk about last night's Bills Patriots game is my friend, Shield Kapadia. Shield. Let's talk about this Bills Patriots game because I feel like the internet has gone insane <laughs> based on what we saw yesterday. I'm seeing everything from Bill Belichick's offensive game plan belongs in the Hall of Fame to this proves that Mac Jones is a total fraud and that Bill Belichick, uh, you know, if, if Bill Belichick had his house on fire, he wouldn't count on Mac Jones to call the fire department like like it's just a total weird situation out there so let's just start with, with with what happened last night and what you think it means do you think we can draw big conclusions about the afc east and the bills and the patriots from last night's game or is it just a weird one-off because of the wind uh in upstate or sorry in western i should say in western new york last night well, it was a lot of fun. I'll start with that. Yes. I mean, you know, it, it's rare to get a game that's like, you know, so different from every other game you watch that week or even uh, that season. So as it was playing out and you're seeing what the Patriots strategy is going to be, I mean, I, I thought it, it was fantastic. I mean, I loved uh, every single minute of it. And so uh, I guess we can start with, you, you know, like you mentioned, Belichick strategy. And I, I think it, you know, you don't have to be that 
that smart to come up with what his strategy <laughs> was. I think he thought, all right, let's let's be conservative. Let's run the ball. Let's keep this game close. Let's mm -hmm. see if the Bills can uh, make some mistakes and we'll go about it that way. And then all of a sudden you break a 68-yard uh, touchdown and you mm -hmm. go up in that game. So you say, okay, let's stick with it. If the Bills had converted some of their opportunities, is Mac Jones going to only throw three times in that game? No. I mean, I, I think obviously Ben Belichick uh, probably has to adjust uh, there. And so mm -hmm. I, I guess my big picture takeaway is that um, it was a fun strategy. It was a creative game plan. I don't know that if you play it out, you know, uh, 10 times mm -hmm. uh, with Bill Belichick taking that exact strategy that the Patriots are going to win all of those. I think it's probably mm -hmm. more like a 50-50 split. I, I think you can even make the case that maybe the Bills win more often uh, mm -hmm. than the Patriots in, in that scenario. I know Patriots fans probably don't want to hear that. So that's the first part of it. And then in terms of grand conclusions for the AFC East, I mean, I think the big thing is it was very meaningful just because of what it does in terms of the probabilities going forward and the mm -hmm. leg up it gives the Patriots in terms of uh, being in kind of the driver's seat for the top seed in the AFC. Does it make me think that the Bills can't beat the Patriots and that the Patriots are a far superior team? No, not at all. So in terms of that, you know, we're going to probably going to see a very different game in two or three weeks uh, when they face again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you in your thoughtful way, which is not appropriate for the internet, you know, brought up a very nuanced argument, or at least a more nuanced argument than what I've seen, which is uh, in your comp today at The Athletic, you said, Bill Belichick, you know, two things can be true. Number one, Bill Belichick came up with a creative game plan that helped the Patriots win. And two, Belichick's strategy worked because the Bills, Bills missed a lot of opportunities. And I think that's the distinction that needs to be made here, right? Like, yes, Bill Belichick going incredibly run heavy, more than I think, you know, even most teams would do in a typical situation uh, where there's a lot of wind made sense. And, and it played to what the Patriots do well. And the Patriots executed that plan reasonably well. They were not incredible. They scored one touchdown all game on a 68 yard score. But overall, they did a reasonable job given the conditions, given their strengths on offense. Yeah, I, I think that that's right. I mean, I, I think the strategy was fine, you mm -hmm. know, but if you look at it, yeah, they ran for 222 yards. They had the one huge run and that counts. Don't get me wrong. Of course. You know, when you run the ball that many times, you're hoping that you can break one and they did do that. But if you look at it, the other 45 times they ran the ball, they averaged 3.4 yards per carry. You know, if you want to get into like the, the advanced stat, just in terms of success rate with EPA, I mean, it was 28.9%. What does that number mean? It, it means it would have ranked 22nd out of 28 teams in terms of rushing efficiency on a down to down basis uh, in week 13. So like, I don't think that the bills, you know, really got gashed. I, I'm not crushing the bills mm -hmm. uh, for the way they played that game defensively. To me, it had a lot more to do with the other side of the ball. I, I think you can absolutely criticize the bills for what they did offensively. You know, it was kind of like two teams took a pretty conservative approach. Obviously mm -hmm. the Patriots were way more conservative. Uh, and I don't know that the bills had to be necessarily that conservative. Like I, I was looking, you know, when you looked at Josh Allen's throws, I was kind of going, wow, he's able to kind of with that cannon of an arm mm -hmm. able to, to cut through 
the wind and maybe they should be uh, a little bit more aggressive. You know, I can't understand why they didn't use him more as a runner. We know that's in the the playbook. We Mm -hmm. saw that in that Chiefs game earlier this season where Josh Allen, you know, the fumbles have been an issue in the past. But if you Mm -hmm. look at the numbers on designed runs or option runs, uh, you know, basically anything that's not a scramble, like he is a very, very good runner and Mm -hmm. the running backs are not very good. I mean, how, what did they run 19 or, or 20 times with their running backs for, uh, I can't remember what the number was three yards per carry or mm-hmm. something like that. And so they were almost wasting, uh, wasting downs there. And so even with that approach, I mean, they had missed opportunities. They had the, the fumbled handoff to Matt Breida. They had mm-hmm. two Dawson Knox drops on third down. They had a 33 yard field goal that went wide, right. They had the opportunity to Stefan Diggs down the left uh, sideline in the end zone that he, he at least had a chance on. They had the back shoulder throw to Diggs uh, on the right side that Allen missed there. Now, Belichick's entire strategy was based on, you know, allowing the Bills to make mistakes and, uh, you know, kind of letting them sink sink themselves. Mm -hmm. And I guess they did. They they certainly uh, did do that. But, you know, my thing is, like, if they had all those opportunities, again, if you play that game 10 times and they have all those opportunities, maybe they, they could they probably convert on at least a few more than they converted on last night. And then we're having a different conversation. So really, you know, I, I know I'm like uh, babbling here, but it comes no. down to something that you've written. You were the first person I remember uh, writing about this. And now it's just kind of common is that in these games that are decided by three points or one score games, there is a randomness element. There is a luck element to it. And so we can say that, yeah, his strategy was sound. They won the game they get credit, but at the same time, like, you know, some of the bounces you could say certainly went their way. And I don't know that we necessarily need to put that. There's a lot of Bill Belichick game plans you can put Mm -hmm. in the hall of fame. To me, that isn't necessarily one where I say, wow, the bills got completely uh, out coached and the game plan is what won it for the Patriots. Maybe, you know, others can reasonable people can disagree on on that, but uh, that's kind of how I see it. Yeah. I think that's the tough part for me is that like, if you want to say Bill Belichick figured, hey, this is going to be a close game, I'm going to just try and make as few mistakes as possible and hope that the Bills make mistakes, sure. I, I think that's reasonable enough. And that's not an unreasonable strategy. Like, I think that's plausible. But the Patriots fumbled more times in this game than the Bills did. And, of course, the Bills uh, recovered one. They recovered the play where Kill Harry headbutted the football. Um, speaking of, by the way, uh, as a quick aside, can we talk about how, like, we're talking about Belichick as a genius and the guy he had returning punts in this game was a guy who hasn't returned punts since college. <laughs> and, and McDermott, I saw took a little jab uh, at him, right. Saying he had his returners be inactive. By the way, I love the, uh, the post game, you know, McDermott just being salty about it. You know, I know mm-hmm. people were upset with that. Let's, let's get it going. You know, they're not supposed to like each other. They're in the same division. They're probably going to be battling uh, for years to come. I'm sure. I know there are a lot of head coaches in the NFL that are probably like, Oh, give me a break. You know, the guy had Tom Brady for uh, 20 years and there are others who probably are, you know, mm-hmm. t- take a different tone, but uh, I like the little rivalry. I like the, the little saltiness that we saw after that game. I agree. And I think, like the part that I struggle with is the idea that the Patriots, the game plan was so successful that it forced the Bills to make mistakes. Well, what mistakes happen in this game? Like you said, I mean, the Bills fumble a handoff, which, I mean, the Patriots, it wasn't like there was pressure on the handoff that, of course, at the fumble, he just dropped the handoff. It was just right. sloppy. Um, the field goal, 
wasn't like the field goal was blocked. It wasn't like they were put in a terrible situation. They had a 33-yard field goal and missed it. And because they missed that field goal, they had to go for a touchdown instead of another field goal uh, on, on that final drive there. So, you know, like uh, if the Patriots had forced four Josh Allen interceptions, the Bills had fumbled four times, I think you could sit here and say, hey, great game plan. They were super aggressive with the football. They knew what they were doing. And that caused the Bills to lose. But it, it sort of felt more like a game where the Bills beat themselves as opposed to the Patriots really having a ton of say. I and mean, they played well on defense, but I think that the place, the side of this game were more just, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of bad luck as opposed to the Patriots sort of causing the Bills to make those mistakes. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, I think the Patriots defense did uh, play well, and I don't think the Bills made it hard enough on them. You know, that that's how I kind of look at it on that side of the ball. That That's where I look at it. And if you're a Bills fan who's saying, what are you talking about? You know, I, I want to crush McDermott today. I think that's where you can look at it and say, you know, they didn't have to play the same game that the Patriots were playing, you know, like, like mm-hmm. uh, offensively. They have a different quarterback. They're built differently. They're not built to run the ball. They're not going to line up in uh, 12 and 13 per- personnel or 22 personnel with a fullback and just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And so uh, that's where I would really kind of have regret uh, if I were the Bills. I would say, you know what? I think we kind of got caught playing the same game that the Patriots were playing and we didn't need to do that. We paid our quarterback uh, a lot of money. That's not necessarily to say they had to, you know, throw continually throw the ball down the, Mm -hmm. down the field 50 yards, but even just, you know, that game against the saints that the bills play again, I know that was indoors and the conditions were different, Mm -hmm. but that was like, Hey, we have to methodically move the ball down the field. And they were capable of doing that. And it didn't take much. I'm not, I'm not telling the bills could have scored 30 points in Mm -hmm. those conditions. It took like, you know, they needed one touchdown. Uh, in that game to, to probably win that game or at least to change the complexion of that game where mm-hmm. all of a sudden the Patriots say, all right, we're going to have to throw it a little bit and take some chances. And then uh, who knows what happens there. So uh, it's fun. You know, the extremes have been kind of nuts. I'm with you uh, with this mm-hmm. game, with the way it, it's being talked about because it was so different. But um, I guess that's, you know, that, that's better than, than just a boring game. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. So a couple of things here with the Bills as we finish up talking about this game. First, in terms of their construction, in terms of their style of play. I mean, this is a team that went to several Super Bowls in the early 90s running a, a K-Gun offense, throwing the ball for that era, if I remember correctly, quite a bit, especially I'm imagining when they were in or, you know, the first half of games relative to the rest of the league. Last year, of course, I think the most pass-happy team in football um, after you adjust for game situation and very successful doing it. I mean, Josh Allen was awesome. Uh, MVP candidates, Stefan Diggs looked great. Nobody was questioning the Bills throwing the football last year. We get to this year, we have seen them struggle a bit. I think they're in the middle of the pack by DVOA after last night's game against a very good Patriots defense, of course. But we're seeing people criticize the Bills for building this team that can't, you know, play to the weather 
that they're likely to face in November, December, and January in Buffalo, which is a lot of wind, possibly some snow, uh, subpar conditions. Basically, the Bills are getting criticized for not having a good enough offensive line and not being able to run the ball effectively. Do you think that criticism is valid? Uh not written. No, I don't have an issue with the way they built the team. Actually, I think it's one of like the, the best jobs anyone's done of building a team, like doing yeah. a re- rebuild probably in the last 10 or 20 years, what, what they did there. I think Brandon Bean um, is, is one of the best GMs in the NFL and they built it the right way. Now, mm-hmm. could they, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like they've ignored the run game. You know, they, they spent a pick on Singletary and they spent a pick on uh, Zach Moss and they brought back some of their offensive linemen. Like are, are there always tweaks they could make and improvements they could make. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think one of the, the wrinkles they've had, which is what I mentioned earlier, was making Josh Allen a part of that run game, which is why that that part is just, you know, I don't know if they've talked about that yet this week or they'll talk about it later. But that part is really confusing to me because that, you know, this was a game where, like, I understand not wanting to do that every week, given how much money he's making. Mm-hmm. But like, this was the type of game, all right, high leverage situation, playoff seating on the line, maybe our playoff live on the line an ugly game we can't get anything going it's really windy like that's the time to break out that part of the playbook mm-hmm. and, and that was just really baffling to me uh that they did not do that because I think that's something that can really provide answers for them is when he is a part of that run game and you can make it more difficult on opposing defenses and all of a sudden they have to think about how they want to play so uh, I think they could use some tweaks I think they could mm-hmm. certainly use uh you know whether it's offensive line upgrades or, or just their current offensive linemen playing a little bit better. Yes. You know, I think that the turnovers have been an issue for them this year. They've, mm-hmm. they've had so many high leverage turnovers. I think I wrote a piece, uh, I think it was a, a two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, just mm-hmm. kind of looking at their offense. And that was something that really stood out as they were just getting crushed uh, by these high leverage turnovers. I mean, just think of, you know, anecdotally that game against the Titans mm-hmm. uh, and fourth down was the other thing they're getting crushed with their fourth down chances. Remember that game, if they get a QB sneak there, uh, with Josh Allen at the end, all mm-hmm. of a sudden they win that game and even the conversation's different. I mean, even with all that, they had what the second highest point differential in the entire NFL going into these games. I, mm-hmm. I still think they're a very good team. I'm not giving up uh, on the bills. I know they've got a tough game against the Bucks, and they still got the Patriots on the schedule. I think they're going to make some noise down the stretch. I think they're going to find some answers. They're still relatively healthy on offense. And uh, I still think they're going to be, be heard from in the postseason. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question, Jill, because like you said, they're at Tampa Bay on a short week uh, coming up in week 14 here, the Patriots on their bye. Uh, according to the upshot, if the Bills lose to the Buccaneers this Sunday, they have a 67% chance of making it to the postseason. Um, 20% chance of winning the division. I think a, uh, either less than 1% or 1% chance of finishing with the top seed in the AFC, but even their playoff participation is in question if they lose to the Bucks. So at that 67% rate, is that you know, kind of what you would figure? Are you more optimistic on them than that number would indicate? Or are you, are you more pessimistic? Yeah, I'm probably a little more optimistic. I think mm-hmm. they'll win one 
of the uh, at least one of the two games against Tampa or New England, and then I think they'll they'll win uh, the rest of their games, and so I think that will put them in position to make the playoffs. But I, I mean, what's interesting to me about the Bills is I think the team we see here down the stretch and in the playoffs is kind of going to have to be really different from the team we've seen through 13 mm-hmm. weeks because the Tre'Davious White injury. I mean, obviously that didn't get tested on Monday night, but you know, I, I know you're a big Tre'Davious White fan mm-hmm. uh, as am I. Like they're defense is just not going to be as good down the stretch. And so the offense is going to be, have to be a lot better. I mean, their, their defense has been what top three in the NFL, maybe Mm -hmm. even the best defense in the NFL so far. And that's just not going to be the case the rest of the way. The offense, as you mentioned, has been more middle of the pack, maybe slightly Mm -hmm. above average. And that's probably going to have to be top five, top six, top seven, whatever uh, down the stretch for them to make some noise. So uh, I think they'll win one of those two big games. Uh, I like them a little bit more than the 67% would indicate. I'm probably maybe, maybe somewhere uh, somewhere in the high 70s or something like that. But I do think um, their team is going to have to take on a different identity, more really more of an identity of what we saw last year where the offense is really the strength and maybe the defense is, uh, is competent, but not kind of a, a defense that's just going to shut down opponents. Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side, though, look at the Patriots now. I mean, they are nine and four. They have the best point differential, I believe, in all of football at plus 150. Um, and, and they, I mean, I feel like we're sort of sitting here thinking, okay, well, we're waiting for that game where Mac Jones is going to have to throw, um, and, and they're going to struggle. We saw it happen earlier in the year against the saints. Um, we saw him have to throw and, and they were not very effective doing so, but I mean, this formula of playing great defense, forcing takeaways, running the football effectively and getting Mac Jones to just kind of hold up his end of the bargain that formula has led them to seven straight wins. And most of those wins have been pretty comfortable Um, over the rest of the year. After the bye, they're at Indy, they host Buffalo, they host Jacksonville. They're at Miami in week 18. I mean, is there any team that's going to give the Patriots trouble and force them out of this formula that that sort of is coming up on the radar for you? Or or is that going to be something where it's just, you know, they're going to have to get out to an early lead and then the Patriots are going to have to just catch up against the game situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, they're, they're really good. You know, nothing we've said has, you know, been about, Hey, the Patri- <laughs> Patriots aren't very good. Any statistical indicator, you can look at point differential, whatever they've played some, even in their losses, they've been mm-hmm. uh, very competitive and they've blown a bunch of teams out. And so they are in the driver's seat really in the AFC. And if you get that first round by, and then you're playing at home, you know, we know that means you have a great shot of reaching the Super Bowl. What I'm curious about, you know, I, I guess it goes to kind of what you said, you know, is there an offense that, uh, or is there a defense that can kind of play man coverage against the Patriots? And it's a game where the Patriots have to throw the ball to keep up and their weapons can beat man coverage because, you know, I know they, they Kendrick Bourne has played well, but I still look at that group with uh, Bourne and Aguilar and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. And I say, mm-hmm. all right, if you're fang- facing a top tier uh, defense that can play a lot of man and really make those throws difficult, are they going to be able to beat that? I mean, I, I think Mac Jones has been uh, really, really good. I mean, his, his accuracy is unbelievable. You just don't see him miss throws. Uh, mm-hmm. He's smart, you know, his process 
processing is very quick. And so he's got a lot going for him. Um, you know, that, that to me would be the, the concern and, you know, the teams you mentioned, I don't know, I, I guess maybe if that Miami game is interesting down mm-hmm. the stretch, I guess that, that, you know, that could kind of just be an interesting game in terms of, all right, is there a formula to make it tough on the Patriots? Are they, you know, that this is something that we could see teams uh, in the playoff uh, playoffs accomplish. Mm-hmm. Now, many people are saying that the Mac Jones of the NFC East is Gardner Minshew. What a transition. Sheil, <laughs> I know you're someone who has covered the Eagles in the past. Uh, you are one of the co-hosts of the widely popular Birds with Friends podcast. You pay close attention to this football team, and, and you've been through the quarterback grinder. I mean, you have dealt with years of quarterback controversies, of back and forths, of shifting opinions when it comes to quarterbacks in Philadelphia. So I'm going to ask you about Minshew Mania after one game where he beat the Jets and threw for 233 yards. So she'll, in terms of what you saw from Gardner Minshew, in terms of the organizational reaction, in terms of the fan reaction, like, is there any realistic chance that after the bye, if Jalen Hurts is healthy over the remainder of the season, that we do see Gardner Minshew as the quarterback for this football team? And, and I guess the follow-up should be, uh, should they consider using Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback? Yeah, I actually just watched the uh, the Eagles offensive film before this this podcast, so it's all uh, fresh in my mind mm-hmm. right now. I don't think there's a chance he starts after the bye if Hurts is healthy. You know, I think there's a chance he would get an opportunity at some point down the stretch if Hurts struggles. But you know, watching the film of that game, I mean, you mentioned it. You're facing the worst defense in the NFL. Number one. Number two, that was like an outlier game for Minshew. I mean, I just looked at a thing looking at, you know, every start he's had in the NFL just by EPA per play. And this was far Mm -hmm. and away the best game of his career. So you're looking at that. And then you look at some of these throws. I mean, I, I listen, I thought he played fine. I thought he executed the offense. It was heavy on screens. Uh, there were a lot of check downs in there. I wrote down two plays that I thought he really did a good job, a uh, mm-hmm. good job on in terms of like avoiding pressure and making a play down the field. He absolutely gets credit for that. Uh, I actually thought his like accuracy and ball placement w- was pretty erratic. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at a lot of these plays and there are guys wide open and he's either under throwing them or, uh, you know, uh, throwing behind them and they're still making plays and catching those. And so it it shows up in the box score, but you look Mm -hmm. at it, it's like, all right, you know, this isn't like a play that Jalen hurts would not have made. And so, uh, they're very, they're so different. I think that that's what, you know, is kind of what's most interesting about if there's anything interesting (laughs) about this, this quarterback, theoretical quarterback controversy is that they're completely different players. I mean, Minshew, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, uh, get the ball out on time. Don't be afraid to take the check down. You're not going to create a lot out of structure. And with Hertz, it's completely different. It's, hey, you're going to pick up yards with those scrambles. Those check downs, you know, are going to turn into uh, Jalen Hurts runs. He's going to give you a lot uh, in the run game. Neither Mm -hmm. one of them, I think, has an especially strong arm. And I think that shows up um, as kind of a trouble area for both those players. So like, if we're talking about just the rest of the season and you say, all right, who gives them a better chance to win games and make the playoffs? It's, it's probably, you know, 
pretty close. I would say Hurts just because mm-hmm. I think they've built this offense on the run game and the offensive line. And I do think he's a, a pretty prolific uh, runner. He's run for 695 yards and is a very efficient runner too. So I would say just go ahead and stick with that because Hurts can come up with answers uh, when he, even when it's not there in the passing game. If you want to make the case that there are certain weeks where you need a quick, efficient passing game, the ball's got to come out on time. You've got to string together uh, methodical, methodical drives uh, through the air. And if you want to tell me, hey, Minshew gives you a better chance of doing that, uh, I wouldn't say um, you're crazy. So uh, I think it's hurts. I honestly don't think it probably makes that it's that wild of a difference. In, it's a difference in terms of how they play, but mm-hmm. not in the total outcome between the two. Yeah, I mean, I read on this a little bit in my column today, and I feel like there's two things that would lead me to want to go to Hertz. One of them, I think, is the long-term picture for the Eagles, which we'll get to in a minute. The idea that, you know, they probably want to figure out if they want to get a quarterback uh, with either one of their three first-round picks this season or maybe packaging them all to go get a veteran. Basically, they want to get more info on whether Jalen Hurts is their guy in 2022. But I think the broader reason why I think I would lean towards Jalen Hurts is that leaving aside the Giants game where Jalen Hurts was bad and threw three interceptions and the offense was a mess, over those prior four games, he was one of the best quarterbacks in football. And the offense was running at a really high level. And so, you know, I sort of think the combination of like having the bad Giants game and then having the offense look effective against the Jets is sort of creating more of a controversy than there actually is. But I think if the Giants game hadn't happened and it had just been the Saints game, ankle injury, Minshew comes in, I feel like we'd be sitting here talking about, oh, wow, well, you know, the Eagles offense is really cooking because we saw Jalen Hurts play at a high level. We saw Gardner Minshew play at a high level. Um, We don't have to worry about Jalen Hurts not being a useful quarterback, but I feel like, you know, when it comes to the NFL, whether it's fans or, or some media members or Twitter, like people's memory is about one week long, maybe three days long. Um, And I feel like Jalen Hurts is someone who's kind of being treated as like, oh, well, he's a struggling quarterback. And he was earlier this year and he was against the Giants, but he was very good for a month there, you know, to the extent that I can't imagine the Eagles will be looking at him thinking, okay, we want to go back to another style of offense and bench him. Yes, I, I, that's, it's a great point. It's absolutely right. It's, it's recency bias. I mean, think about it. Hertz has his word, the worst game of his season. And then Minshew has the best game of his career in back-to-back week. So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, this would probably be a good time to zoom out and say, uh, let's look at the big picture, the bigger, uh, the bigger body of work. And the Eagles offense has been, I would say, you know, mediocre to above average for most of the season by, mm-hmm. you know, especially once they turn to kind of, all right, let's make Hertz a big part of the run game um, for most of the season. And so you absolutely have to look at that. And even if internally, uh, you mentioned the the long-term thing, like it doesn't have to be a high percentage of them thinking that Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy and we're going to have to build around it. Like, even if that's 5%, mm-hmm. uh, if they think there's a 5% chance of that, yeah, you still, wouldn't you still want to just get more information here mm-hmm. in the final uh, four or five games and just see what you're working with so that you can, you can make a more informed decision uh, after the season. You know, I don't think I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know that anyone would argue that Minshew has any chance to be their long-term starter. And so if you look at it that way, it's like, all right, you know, what was this season really about? You know, I think they were pretty honest about it 
coming in that this mm-hmm. season was going to be about kind of catching their breath as a franchise, uh, accumulating assets so that they could be active in the 2022 offseason and mm-hmm. making a little bit of an evaluation on Jalen Hurts. Well, you know, if, if it's close, uh, and I think it is between Hurts and Minshew, uh, you know, I still think Hurts gives them a better option. But even if you thought Minshew gave them a little bit of a better option, the long-term thing should, should even swing you more in, uh, in Hertz's direction. Have you seen the most recent set of DVOA rankings at footballoutsiders.com? Uh, I think I, I have, but I, I think I took a quick lay. Maybe I, I might've seen the tweet they put out with like the top 10. I don't know that I saw all of it. So at 10 with an 8.2% overall team DVOA is the Philadelphia Eagles. Hmm. At 11, at 8.1%, so virtually identical are the New England Patriots. Wow. The team we were just talking about as the best team in football. And I think that's sort of, you know, I, I sort of wonder, like I, getting to the idea that you said, like, this is a, this was supposed to be a year where they, you know, kind of just took a step backwards, healed up from the, the cap issues of, of the prior, you know, the Wentz era team, evaluated what they had with Hertz, built up assets. And then 2022 is kind of going to kind of be the year where they, move forward the idea that this year was supposed to be sort of a a season where they you know we're not going to be competitive we're not necessarily as concerned about being competitive as they would have been in years past during the Wentz era I think that makes sense but you look at their situation now they're they're six and seven which isn't necessarily a great record but uh they have a 7.6 win Pythagorean expectation so they've been better by point differential than their actual record they are uh, a league average, sorry, they're about, were they, where are they in DVOA? They are 15th, I believe, in DVOA, just ahead of teams like the Ravens in 16th, um, Washington, uh, their competitors in 20, 21st, 22nd, 21st. Um, and they get two games against Washington over the next month after this bye. A, a team that, even though they're built uh, on paper to kind of stop the pass, they've been much better against the run this year than they have been against the past. So I, I do think that Hurts makes sense to go back to, but like, like, do you think there's any sort of realistic leash where they would consider Minshew if Hurts struggled uh, coming out of the, the week 14 by here? Yeah, I think he would have to have like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's back to back, terrible games. I mean, mm-hmm. if he, if he comes out and plays terrible uh, in their next game and they lose, then it's obviously going to be a conversation. And if they're still in the playoff mix at that point, mm-hmm. uh, the conversation is going to uh, intensify of, you know, if he has back to back terrible games, then they're probably not going to be in playoff contention. So then if that's the case, I don't even know <laughs> what the point would be. Um, but, you know, it's just, if you look at the game against the jets, you know, I actually thought their, their coaching staff did a good job of mm-hmm. scheming things up and it was you know a combination of that and the Jets having a terrible defense like there weren't really a lot of plays in that game where I would say all right Minshew can make this play and Hertz can't make this play and so uh you know for that reason I also think Hertz has built up a lot of goodwill with his teammates with the way he's kind of carried himself he's not been kind of a, a me guy he, I, I think the the teammates have really kind of taken to him going as far back as training camp. And so to me, it's probably not going to be the case, you know, regardless of whether there are calls for Minshew to play or not. I I think probably the most likely scenario and probably a pretty high percentage is that Hertz is going to finish out the season as long as he's healthy. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think they can be a playoff team with Hertz at, as their quarterback over the last month of the year? Uh, I think they can be. I wouldn't predict it. I, I think don't think it's the most likely scenario. Mm-hmm. I would say the most likely scenario to me is probably that they kind of split uh, the last four games. Maybe they lose um, one of the Washington games. They they finish the season against the Cowboys. Maybe they lose that game and then they beat Washington and the Giants. I mean, it, it's possible that they uh, go on a, a mini run or win some close games and go three and one uh, mm-hmm. down the stretch, maybe go nine and eight and make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that that is the most likely outcome though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about 30% now around or 28% per the upshot. Uh, if they are heading into these final four games of the year, obviously if they can sweep Washington, that increases dramatically uh, about 75%, but that's easier said than done. I mean, their schedule looked very easy on paper and then they lost to the giants in a game where they were just wildly frustrating. So um, anything feels like it's on the table for the Eagles with four games to go. But like you said, I mean, this is a team that was really building for 2022 and beyond. And it doesn't look maybe quite as good as it looked earlier in the season when the Dolphins were a absolute mess. But I think a lot of teams out there would be very jealous of what the Eagles have to work with heading into the 2022 draft. They are likely going to have three first round picks Uh, One from the trade down with Miami and one from the Carson Wentz deal. Assuming Carson Wentz plays, I think it's what, 75% of the snaps in Indy, which is extremely likely to happen given that he's played basically every snap so far for the Colts. So in in terms of how this team is positioned for the next few years, I mean, in terms of where they are now versus where they can be given the young talent they have, given the assets they have to, to sort of acquire players over the next couple of years, are there other situations you would look at as more desirable in terms of teams that are likely to improve or do the Eagles say that as maybe the team that has the most uh, in terms of what to build around over the next few years at the moment? Yeah, I think if you compare them, you know, there are obviously a few teams with the draft capital, uh, the Jets being, one of them, the Giants being one of them, and, and then the um, Eagles. So the resources are there for a, you know, for a nice kind of rebuild or whatever you want to call it. The big question is quarterback and mm-hmm. what they're what they're going to do there. Is there someone in this draft that catches their eye and they say, hey, we have three uh, first round picks. Let's go ahead and, and draft them and build around this guy. Um, you know, there's the option of trading for a veteran quarterback. Certainly they have the draft capital to do that, but uh, I don't know. I kind of look at this roster and I don't know that it's uh, good enough that I would feel great about trading for somebody or trying to trade for somebody like Russell Wilson and, and thinking that you're going to be in the Super Bowl mix mm-hmm. Right away, you know, maybe four or five weeks from now, some young players will really uh, play well down the stretch. And my opinion will change on that. But that's kind of uh, where I am now. Or maybe you say, you know, I kind of think the most likely scenario might be that maybe they do a little trade back uh, in the first round. They accumulate draft capital for 2023. They Mm -hmm. go into next season again with with Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew. And they say, let's add some young talent. Let's make this uh, a better overall roster. 
let's continue to have some optionality at the quarterback position going into the, the following draft uh, or the following offseason if veterans become available. And that's kind of when we'll make our biggest move. So it's so hard to know because, we, you know, the draft evaluations, we'll see what the months ahead bring. I know right now um, a lot of people who, who know this stuff are not high on this quarterback class, mm-hmm. but we've seen before it just, you know, all it takes is falling in love with one of these guys and it can uh, totally change your opinion. So maybe that happens, but that's kind of how I look at, uh, at at sort of the resources they have and what they might do here this offseason. Mm-hmm. And, and there are other teams in this vein, like you said, the Jets have uh, another first round pick coming from the Seahawks as a result of the Jamal Adams deal. The Giants have a first round pick coming from the Bears as part of the Justin Fields uh, deal. The Dolphins have a first rounder from San Francisco coming this year and then two in 2023, if I'm not mistaken, uh, one from the Niners and their own. The Lions have two first rounders coming from the Matthew Stafford deal. I mean, in that sort of core of teams where it's a, you know, part of what makes them intriguing are the draft assets. Do you think the Eagles are best positioned from that group or is there another team you, you would kind of You'd rather have their roster and their assets than what the Eagles have to offer right now. Yeah, there, there's so many variables because I like I was going through this exercise before the podcast. I'm looking at the Jets going, wow, picks they have picks four and five right now. Mm-hmm. They've got four in the top 40. But as I said, I just watched the Jets film from this week. And like, I mean it's just a disaster, their roster in, in many ways. I mean, I know they've got obviously a handful of guys who can play, but they need help in so many areas. And theirs is probably the least intriguing to me because, you know, you're probably going to stick with, you're, you're going to stick with Zach Wilson. And I just don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to be good or not. I mean, maybe he will be, but there's so much riding on that. So yeah, I don't know that I would love to be in that situation. The Giants, they, you know, I think right now, if you look at it, they would have picks six, seven, and 38. Mm -hmm. And so that one you could kind of, you know, make the case for is in the same ballpark as the Eagles, but is Joe judge still going to be the head coach there? Who's going to be making (laughs) the draft picks Their You know, offensive line is obviously a disaster. I kind of think the giants are sort of an intriguing team in terms of how they use that draft capital. I mean, Mm -hmm. would they look at it as, and say, Hey, we should take a big swig on one of these veteran quarterbacks. Our defense can be okay. Maybe we can use the rest of our draft picks on some offensive line help. We're Mm -hmm. already set uh, at wide receiver with the skill positions. But um, you know, I I think overall, I I probably would uh, would probably put the Eagles at, at the top of that pecking order, but, you know, depending on how you feel about who's making the decisions in the other spots, uh, I, I think you could certainly make a case for that. Yeah. I mean, the giants, that'd be intriguing. I mean, there, there's more, there's more short-term investments. I feel like with the giants, like they've gone out and traded for someone like Leonard Williams. They have some big contracts on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I could see them talking themselves into saying, Hey, we are that one quarterback away. And if we get, you know, Russell Wilson, then our wide receivers are going to look better. The offensive line's not going to have to be quite as good um, as maybe they have to be with Daniel Jones. They're good, I think, but certainly um, it's easier to block for Dan- for Russell Wilson, I think, even given his ability to scramble than it is for Daniel Jones. Um, I-, I could see them making that case. And they're also much further removed from success than the Eagles are. You know, like the Eagles are only a few years removed from a Super Bowl. The Giants a decade now and have not been back to the postseason. Actually, they went back to the postseason once and lost in the first round. So not even haven't won a single playoff game since that uh, Super Bowl win a decade ago. So 
I, I think it depends on maybe who they hire. Like with the Eagles, it seems like Sirianni and Roseman are coming back for another season. The Giants, it could be a totally different management group. Right. But I, I do think that, you know, um, it's going to be really fascinating. And, and I think it's, some of it's going to depend on who's actually available. Like we figure Aaron Rodgers is going to avail- be available. We figure Russell Wilson might be available. We figure Deshaun Watson, uh, if the sexual assault allegations are resolved, might be available. But um, it does seem like, you know, there's so many different ways it could go, which is fun for us as people who have to produce content about the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm wondering about Russell Wilson. If, if they keep Joe Judge and they say, all right, Russell, you're going to uh, New York. Yeah, they've had offensive line issues. Yeah, they've got, you know, maybe the most one of the most conservative coaches in the yes. NFL. Uh, how, how do you how do you feel about the uh, change of scenery? That that would really be something for his uh, for his career. But yeah, th- those quarterbacks are going to be the story uh, of the offseason. I mean, I was even like, uh, you know, as you had me kind of look at this, I was workshopping. I was like, is there a Russell Wilson to Cleveland uh, uh, trade that that could potentially make sense where all of a sudden now he's got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He's got a smart uh, offensive coach. Maybe the, mm-hmm. the Seahawks get uh, Baker and some draft capital in return. Is that something that could be intriguing to them? So um, yeah, I don't know. I'm at the point like in my life where I almost like the off season stuff. I think I do like the off season stuff more than the, uh, than the in season stuff. I like watching the games, but once we get into like, you know, February, March, and you're just going through every team's roster and you're looking at uh, which, which, key players are going to be traded and how teams are going to use their uh, resources. I feel like that part of covering the NFL has become uh, more, more interesting to me than the actual games, which I, I don't know, that might say something uh, about me more than anything else, but it is how I feel. Phil Capadia says, cancel the games, play them on paper. Shorten the season. Yeah. I don't, I don't need 18. Yeah. I mean, six games, six, seven, six. eight games. That'd be, that'd be good with me. That let, then let's get to what teams are going to do in, in free agency. Six games a year and play them all in 45-mile-an-hour wins. <laughs> Shield, Kapadia, philosophy. Well, Shield, people want to see your excellent coverage of the NFL and, and the Eagles, of course, as well. Where can they do that? Yep, you can read me uh, on The Athletic in the uh, in the NFL section. That's where you will find me if you want uh, Eagles coverage. We've got our podcast with uh, me, Bo Wolf, and Zach Berman, Birds with Friends. You can subscribe to that uh, anywhere you want. I think uh, I think that that's most of my plugs here. You also are someone who appears on The Athletic Football Show. I do. Yes, we do a, a fun pick segment that usually turns out to be a disaster and maybe gets me. <laughs> I have to dress up as Bill Belichick or I have to drink a Dan Campbell uh, coffee order. So I do that with Robert Mays and uh, Nate Tice. We do that every Thursday evening. It comes out Friday morning and it's a lot of fun. If for nothing else, you just want to hear me like as a totally, um, you know, beat down <laughs> version of what you heard on this podcast. Um, that That's where you, you can hear me, that version of me. <laughs> I would have got an angry text if I hadn't forced you to plug <laughs> the athletic football show. But Shil, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for hopping on today. Thanks for having me, Bill. All right. Thanks so much, as always, to my friend Shil Kapadia. Shil does awesome work at The Athletic. Check him out there. Check out Birds of Friends. Check out his appearances on The Athletic Football Show. Strong recommendation from me, myself. We'll be back next week. More football audio on the way. Hope you guys enjoyed the week 13 action. I get the week's kind of confused at this point. Hope your guys' fantasy teams are doing well. Hope you're ready for the postseason to come. 
and we'll have more audio next week. Thanks so much for listening.